Let's go ahead and pray, and then uh, we'll get into our text. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you that it never turns back void. Thank you, Father God, that you have a plan and a purpose in our lives. Thank you, Jesus, that um, you understand us, that you know us, that you love us, God, that you love us in spite of us. Thank you, Jesus, for each and every person here, for the kids, Lord. I pray, Father, that none of us leave this place missing um, out on what you have for us. Thank you that, God, you're so good. You write upon the fleshly tablets of our hearts the eternity of your word, Lord, things that, that sit with us, God, and change us and, and transform us and, and make us more like Jesus in our attitudes and our thinking and how we act and operate in this world. And Father, if, if, if we ever needed a touch from you, Lord, through the eternal purpose of your word, Lord, it's now, it's today, Lord. Today's the day of salvation. Today's the day of, of you speaking to us, God. Lord, we just lift up our communities to you, Lord, those struggling with issues, concerns, Lord, those that may be sick or in, uh, not feeling too well, we just pray for them as, as well. Father God, we ask that you would settle our world, Lord, our, 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 our communities, God, in regards to um, the pandemic and fires and, and all of the different things, Lord, that, that really rattle our world, shake us up, God, and, and cause us to be sometimes fearful and sometimes filled with anxiety and sometimes unsure of, of the future. Thank you, Jesus, that you are a sure foundation, that you are our strong tower that we can run to. Thank you, God, that even when we're frustrated and we may have a, a lack of trust in you and we question you, God, that you are bigger than our lack of trust, that you're bigger than our questions that we can always come to you and you call us to come to you, Lord. All who are weary and heavy laden to come to you and lay our burdens down before you. God, you're so worthy and faithful to, to pick us up and to, to encourage us, Lord. And God, as we get into this closing section of Gideon, Lord, how you encouraged him in such a mighty way, I pray, Lord, that we would take to heart your character and who you are and what you're about and how you love your people and how you love people who don't even know you, God. Thank you that we are never too far from you, Lord, while we're still living on this earth. So we just pray that you would move as you see fit, Lord. I pray for other churches, Lord, other church services, God, other pastors and preachers and ministers, God, that you would do a work in your body, Lord, that you would encourage and build up and strengthen. You would tear down what's not of you. God, you'd remove me from the equation today, Lord. Get me out of your way. Just thank you, God, for loving us. Thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Gina, can you bring me a water, please? I forgot to get one. Thank you. <clears throat> yeah, thanks. So yesterday, Gina surprised me, made these t-shirts. She says, you guys are going to a men's conference. You guys all need to wear shirts that have the, 
the name of the men's ministry on. And I was like, well, I don't want to draw attention to us. And then she was like, I, it, was, it was really special for her. So I kind of crushed her flower. Us guys do that sometimes with our wives. They do special things for us and we don't always react right. But I'm excited. A friend of ours designed this logo. It was a, we had a couple of different renditions. And Roy, again, who's not here, um, we're going to be going through probably some of Gail Irwin's books um, for men's ministry, which, man, it's just really down-to-earth writer. I don't know if you've ever read any of his stuff, so some of those books are in order. So once we get those, we'll get information out about men's ministry. So thank you, Gina, for making this. <clears throat> okay, Judges chapter 7, verse 1 through 25. So we're going to go through the text, and then uh, we're going to read the, the whole text, and then we'll go back in and break it apart, and Lord willing, be able to digest some things that God wants to teach us today. Judges chapter 7, verse 1. Then Jeroboam, that is Gideon, and all the people who were with him rose early and encamped beside the well of Harod, so that the camp of the Midianites was on the north side of them by the hill of Moray in the valley. And the Lord said to Gideon, the people who are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into your hands, lest Israel claim glory for itself against me, saying, my own hand has saved me. Now, therefore, proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, whoever is fearful and afraid, let him turn and depart at once from Mount Gilead. And 22,000 of the people returned and 10,000 remained. But the Lord said to Gideon, the people are still too many. Bring them down to the water and I will test them for you there. Then it will be that of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you. The same shall go with you. And of whomever I say to you, this one shall not go with you. The same shall not go. So he brought the people down to the water and the Lord said to Gideon, everyone who laps from the water with his tongue as a dog laps, you shall set apart by himself. Likewise, everyone who gets down on his knees to drink. And the number of those who lapped putting their hand to their mouth was 300 men. But all the rest of the people got down on their knees to drink water. Then the Lord said to Gideon, by the 300 men who lapped, I will save you and deliver the Midianites into your hand. Let all the other people go, every man to his place. So the people took provisions and their trumpets in their hands, and he sent away all the rest of Israel, every man to his tent, and, and retained those 300 men. Now the camp of Midian was below him in the valley. <clears throat> It happened on the same night that the Lord said to him, Arise, go down against the camp, for I have delivered it into your hand. But if you are afraid to go down, go down to the camp with Pura, your servant, and you shall hear what they say, and afterward your hands shall be strengthened to go down against the camp. Then he went down with Pura, his servant, to the outpost of the armed men who were in the camp. Now the Midianites and the Amalekites, all the people of the east were lying in the valley as numerous as locusts and their camels were without number as the sand by the seashore in multitude. And when Gideon had come there, 
And when Gideon had come, there was a man telling a dream to his companion. He said, I've had a dream. To my surprise, a loaf of barley bread tumbled into the camp of Midian. It came to a tent and struck it so that it fell and overturned and the tent collapsed. Then his companion answered and said, this is nothing else but the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. Into his hand, God has delivered Midian and the whole camp. And so it was when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and its interpretation that, we, that he worshiped, that he worshiped. He returned to the camp of Israel and said, arise for the Lord has delivered the camp of Midian into your hand. Then he divided the 300 men into three companies and he put a trumpet into every man's hand with empty pitchers and torches inside the pitchers. And he said to them, look at me and do like, and do likewise. Watch, and when I come to the edge of the camp, you shall do as I do. When I blow the trumpet, I and all who are with me, then you also blow the trumpets on every side of the whole camp and say the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. So Gideon and the hundred men who were with him came to the outpost of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch, just as they had posted the watch. And they blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers that were in their hands. Then the three companies blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers. They held the torches in their left hands and the trumpets in their right hands for blowing. And they cried, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And every man stood in his place all around the camp. And the whole army ran and cried out and fled. When the 300 blew the trumpets, the Lord set every man's sword against his companion throughout the whole camp. And the army fled to Beth Acacia to, toward Zerara, as far as the border of Abel, Meholah, and Tabeth. And the men of Israel gathered together from Nephtali, Asher, and all Manasseh, and pursued the Midianites. Then Gideon sent messengers throughout all the mountains of Ephraim, saying, come down against the Midianites and seize from them the watering places as far as Beth Barah and the Jordan. Then all the men of Ephraim gathered together and seized the watering places as far as Beth Barah and the Jordan. And they captured two princes of the Midianites, Oreb and Zeb. They killed Oreb at the rock of Oreb. <clears throat> And Zeb they killed at the winepress of Zeb. Excuse me. They pursued Midian and brought the heads of Oreb and Zeb to Gideon on the other side of the Jordan. So, I know there's a lot of verses there. <clears throat> so we see here in the beginning of verse one that uh, Gideon's name, Jerubal, uh, is mentioned. So if you go back and you, uh, in, in, in chapter six, his name was changed after he tore down the idols of, of uh, Baal. And uh, you see that um, the people who were uh, in verse two, God right away tells him after all these people are with him and they're encamped and they're ready, he called all these people to them to him and they all got behind him. And God tells them that there's too many. There's too many for you to be able to take the Midianites into your hands, lest Israel claim glory for itself against me. 
saying my own has saved me. This is a really important point about who God is, who the Lord is, who Jesus is, the Holy Spirit, that they um, really demand the glory in our lives. Um, sometimes situations in our lives can feel bleak. Sometimes we can feel that we're weak, that we're incapable of doing things. <clears throat> but God wants his strength and power to be known in our lives so that he's glorified through us, so that people can see that God is real and alive. And this account of Gideon and the Midianites is just this amazing, amazing story. I encourage you, if you guys haven't read this before, go back and read chapters six through seven. And it's just an amazing account of God taking this fearful man and empowering him to do a mighty thing that only God could do. <clears throat> In verse three, we see that Gideon um, most likely wasn't expecting to have so many you know, of these men leave. You know, the Lord said, whoever's fearful, let him turn and depart at once from, the, from Mount Gilead. And 22,000 of the people returned and 10,000 remained. So you had 32,000 men waiting to go and fight against the Midianites. And the Midianites, you see it numbered, it, it, the, the account says it's too numerous to count, but it was a, a, about 135,000 warriors were in this valley um, waiting to devour the Israelites' um, crops and take everything away from them. It was an annual thing that happened. And so even with this scenario where God empowers Gideon, if you go back in chapter six, the Holy Spirit came upon him, gave him power. He blew the trumpet, men came behind him and 32,000 men from all over the place came and right away their odds were horrible. It was a, the, the, the odds were just, uh, uh, they, they weren't, it wasn't a humanly even possible thing, but God in his great understanding, you know, tells him, hey, whoever's afraid, go return to your homes. Well, <clears throat> this was actually a good thing. You don't ever wanna go to war and have people with you that are fearful. Um, you guys ever done a task with somebody and if somebody's timid, whether you're doing construction or anything, you don't want anybody to be fearful who's serving with you. But this also goes back to where um, God gave uh, directions in regards to um, how men are to be for war. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse eight says this, the officers shall speak further to the people and say, what man is there who is fearful and faint hearted? Let him go and return to his house, lest the heart of his brethren faint like his heart. So they were actually following, the Lord was, was helping him and following um, a policy that, that the Lord had already given the Israelites when it pertained to, to going into battle and going into war. And so verse four, we see here that, but the Lord said to Gideon, the people are still too many. So even after 22,000 people leave, God says, there's still too many people here. And so God starts, he creates this filter. Um, the Lord provided this test and only God knew about this test. And it's just fascinating, you know, in our lives, a lot of times we can feel that, you know, hey, Lord, you know, I only have this to get this done. Um, it, it doesn't, you can, you can put whatever picture you wanna put into the scenario of your life. All of us have areas of our lives where God has to be great, okay? And, 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 and in this situation, <clears throat> even in the midst of Gideon's fear, 
and Gideon questioning the Lord twice with the fleece, God still presented to Gideon that Israel would be able to take the glory if there were still only 10,000 people in this. So imagine Gideon, this man again, who was fearful, yet he had faith. Even if it was small, he still had faith. I can just imagine him thinking to himself, really God? We had 32,000 men compared to 135,000 Midianites and you think there are still too many? I mean, could you imagine that? It's just crazy. The, the odds are so against human standards. They were against anything that made any sense for anybody who had ever been in battle. Um, and it, it's just an amazing thing that God did here. So verse five, says this. So he brought the people down to the water and the Lord said to Gideon, everyone who laps from the water with his tongue as a dog laps, you shall set apart by himself. Likewise, everyone who gets down on his knees to drink. So one of the commentators that I was reading through, he mentioned that most likely, you know, um, it, it wasn't a forceful thing. Men, before they'd go into war, they would wanna refresh themselves and be full and, and, and they knew that they wouldn't be able to drink until the battle was over. Um, and so here, you know, there's this natural process, but God used it to separate people. So there was group A, I'm gonna use that term, and group B. And group A was one who laps from the water with his tongue as a dog, and the other one um, who, uh, who gets down on their knees to drink. So, there was, so God was telling Gideon, there's gonna be two separate types of men here that, that drink water. I love that in our lives. The Lord doesn't, lead us in a way that's, um, what's the word? He knows how to communicate with us in such a way that to encourage us. Um, I say this a lot, that God doesn't bring us to a field in the dark and leave us by ourselves. He will walk with us in every situation in our lives. And God divinely knew what Gideon needed in regards to this battle. <clears throat> And God knew what needed to happen so that he, beyond the shadow of a doubt, would be glorified. So verse six and seven, and the number of those who lapped put their hand to their mouth was 300 men, but the rest of the people got down on their knees to drink water. Then the Lord said to Gideon, by the 300 men who lapped, I will save you and deliver the Midianites into your hand. Let all the other people go, every man to his place. <clears throat> so it is said by, um, I've, through the years, going through this text and reading different things, it's been said that those <clears throat> that were left, the 300, they drank the water in such a way that they did not linger or take their eyes off of the surroundings. And my question is, and I don't know, some of you may have seen this or not. Have you ever seen an animal in the wild drinking or eating? I've seen deers before. They're super timid. They're, they're super aware and keen of everything going on, what smells there are, what they hear, what they, they're, they're super aware of everything going on. And so picture these men who the, that the Lord used this situation to, to separate them, the 300, that is how they were. Um, again, if you get down on all fours and you drink water, uh, you take your eyes off of your surroundings. So in reality, this was a test not necessarily to determine who was more of a, aware of their surroundings, 
to be able to win the war because God had already told Gideon that he would give the Midianites into his hands. It was more of a sifting so that the number that was left would leave no question that God was the reason for the victory. And that needs to be the reason in our lives. God is the reason for victory in our lives. We can go through life and we can accomplish things in our lives that are great. We can have doctorate degrees, we can be millionaires, uh, we can have great families, we can have great success. But when it all comes down to our lives, God wants to show us that he's victorious in our lives. And, and this whole scenario, 135,000 warriors that destroyed Israel for seven years, took everything away from him. God speaks to Gideon, tells him, hey, right in the beginning of, of the chapter six, O mighty man of valor, God tells Gideon who his character is. All throughout this account, God continues to give Gideon reminders of God's provision. Even, isn't that how we are sometimes? God tells us something and we doubt, you know? We, we doubt the Lord. God, God understands our, our timidity. God understands, um, excuse me, he understands uh, our frailty. He understands that we're gonna waver. We're gonna have different thinking process than him. And he knows how to come alongside of us. And, and, and I, I want you guys not to miss out this theme with Gideon, because a lot of people can say, oh, Gideon was a lack of faith and he didn't trust God, you know, with the fleece. And that really wasn't the thing to do. You know, God had already told him and was he denying God? And was he really trying to figure out God's will? And no, God was lovingly strengthening Gideon and reminding him of his faithfulness and that God was gonna give him this victory. And it's just an amazing thing. And so um, I love this quote <clears throat> from Matthew Henry says this, Gideon's army being diminished as we have found it, as, as we have found it was, he must either fight by faith or not at all. And, and that's account, I think that's amazing for us. We must either fight by faith in Jesus or not at all. Like th there's nothing that I can do to change my sinful nature in my own strength. I, I, I have a propensity to walk away from God. I have a propensity to, to, to not follow after him. I have to always be in, in a place of, Lord, will you sift my heart? Will you search me? Will you change me? Will you make me more like him? Make me more like you, Jesus. And with, without me having this faith in the work that God is doing, the work that God already accomplished through Jesus Christ, through his word, then I, I have nothing to stand on. He has to be our rock. So it's amazing. So, so uh, Matthew Henry continues and says this, God therefore here provides recruits for his faith instead of recruits for his forces. This whole picture of Gideon and this battle makes no sense. If any general looked at it, they said, this is ridiculous. Everyone's gonna die. It makes no sense at all. And I love that, that God doesn't have to operate in our own thinking. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. Like what we're dealing with in society now. A lot of people are up in arms and all this different things with, with the, the election. And I mean, man, it's just, it's crazy what's going on in our world. And some people are like, oh, it's just, you know, it's always been that way. It's just a different season. But the reality is, is that the Lord is at work here and his ways aren't our ways. 
and his thoughts aren't our thoughts. And we need to be seeking his face and in his word so that we can be ready in season and out of season to give a reason for our faith in God, our faith in Jesus. Verse eight says this, so the people took provisions in their hand and their trumpets in their hands and he sent away all the rest of Israel, every man to his tent and retained those 300 men. Now the camp of Midian was below him in the valley. Verse nine says this, it happened on the same night, I love this, that the Lord said to him, speaking to Gideon, arise, go down against the camp for I have delivered it into your hand. So the God of heaven and earth, the one who created all things, the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ told him, this is a done deal. It's already done. The victory's yours. But I love the next sentence here that, that, that the Lord uh, communicates with Gideon. Verse 10, but if you are afraid to go down, go down to the camp with Purah, your servant, if you're afraid. See, a lot of times we think God is this condemning God and he's, he's critical towards us and, and, and he, he wants us to, to walk this fine line here or he's not gonna love us or accept us. But if you see the way that this whole situation is, it wasn't even that Gideon was complaining. God knew that Gideon's faith was frail. See, God knows that our faith is frail. He knows that our thinking is frail and he loves us so much and he wants to encourage us that he is for us and that he has a victory in our lives. And this is what he did with Gideon. Please don't miss out on what the Lord is speaking through his word here. Verse 11 says this, and you shall hear what they say and afterward your hand shall be strengthened to go down against the camp. Then he went down with Purah, his servant, to the outpost of the armed men who were in the camp. So, People, this was the third time the Lord confirmed Gideon's call in his life. I would like to say it's the fourth time, but some commentators said the third because I split up the fleeces as two separate times. But the first time uh, was when Gideon brought out an offering to the Lord and the Lord accepted it. The second time was the fleeces. And this is the third time where the Lord strengthens uh, Gideon in his fear. So the Lord didn't ask um, ask this question for himself. God didn't need to ask Gideon about this for himself, but he asked it as if letting Gideon know it was okay to be honest with him about his fears. See, God's okay with us being honest about our fears. He's okay with that. We see here in verse nine that the Lord was in essence telling Gideon, go for it. This is a done deal. Why delay? You see, when God calls us to a task that he is making happen and providing for and where he is getting all the glory and his strength will be evident in the matter, why hesitate? Why hesitate? God's word says, if God's for us, who can be against us? God's word says, greater is he who is within me than he that's in the world. There's so many confirming scriptures throughout the Bible about the strength and power of God in those that believe in Jesus. You know, sometimes it's just time to get out of the boat. I think of this section of scripture pertaining to when Peter walked on water. <clears throat> you know, years ago when I was asked to um, join another pastor in the community here when we were, exactly. 
when we were living in Sacramento and my father and I were doing a church plant in Sacramento and Gina and I were serving in ministry at a college ministry and, and uh, the church plant was kind of coming to an end in Sacramento and a pastor friend of mine was our landlord and so we would talk about different ministry things. And I remember one time having coffee here in Marysville and he said, Brian, maybe it's just time to get out of the boat. And it resonated with me because a lot of times we can let our fears dictate our decisions with what God's calling us to do. That could pertain to our relationship with Jesus, whether we have a relationship with Jesus or not. We can be fearful of acceptance. God's not gonna accept me because I've done so many horrible sins or, or I've done all these wrong things. Well, that's a lie. Jesus loves us dearly. That's why he died on the cross for our sins. We can make up all sorts of excuses and Gideon could have done the same thing, but the Lord strengthened his faith. And I, again, when I was studying, I thought about this this particular section of scripture in Matthew chapter 14, verse 26 through 33, the Holy Spirit so graciously allows us to have this scene here that we see. And so I'm gonna read from Matthew 14, 26 through 33. It won't be on the screen. You can turn there if you like, you don't need to. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, that's Jesus walking on the sea, they were troubled saying, it is a ghost. And they cried out for fear, but immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, be of good cheer. I love that. When we're afraid, the Lord immediately wants to reassure us because we're his children. He loves us. He loves the whole world. John 3, 16. It is so, I'm sorry, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So Jesus said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink. And he cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, oh, you of little faith, why do you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshiped him saying, truly, you are the son of God. It's an amazing picture of Jesus here. Okay, this is the same Lord speaking to Gideon. It's a pre-incarnate Christ. The same Jesus talking to Gideon is the same Jesus who told Peter to get out of the boat. And when God gives us a word that's confirmed through the word of God and that's in line with his spirit, it's time to go. It's time to get into action. See, Christianity is not a spectator sport. I say that a lot. It's not about just gathering and getting in. God has a calling on all of your lives to share with those around you about the Lord and what he's done in your life and how he loves you. So verse 12, back to Judges. Now the Midianites and Amalekites, all the people of the East were lying in the valley as numerous as locusts and their camels were without number as the sand by the seashore in multitude. Let me, let me back up for a second. The reason why I brought up Matthew 14, 26 through 33 is that Jesus gave Peter this word, come. Pre-incarnate, the Lord gave Gideon this word that the Midianites are gonna be given into his hand, that he has a victory. And both of these accounts, the disciple or the follower of God faltered in their, their, their trust, their faith. Um, but the Lord, you see here the same character, Jesus caught Peter and reassured him. And, and even with Gideon, and after God took away all this 
32,000 and left him with 300. God knew he was afraid and he reassured him. And that's the same character that God has for us. He wants to reassure us. So I just wanted to hopefully tie that in. So verse 12, now the Midian, I already read that. Verse 13, and when Gideon had come, there was a man telling a dream to his companion. He said, I have had a dream. To my surprise, a loaf of barley bread tumbled into the camp of Midian and it came to a tent and struck it so that it fell and overturned and the tent collapsed. So it's, import, it's important for us to understand this, that barley back then was a poor person's meal, okay? Um, a barley cake meant that a person of no greatness would be knocking down the tents of the Midianites. So a barley meal, uh, Spurgeon gave, gives this expression or this explanation, barley meal was, ra was rather food for dogs or cattle than for men. Therefore, the barley cake would be the emblem of a thing despised. So here you have the Midianites like, okay, well, whatever, that's no big deal. Uh, verse 14, then his companion answered and said, this is nothing else but the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel into his hand, God has delivered Midian and the whole camp. Could you imagine being the Midianites and your friend has this dream and then you interpret this dream and it's about the demise of your people and they're just, are talking about this dream. And, and God had, you know, told Gideon and his servant, hey, why don't you go listen? And nobody knew any of this was gonna happen except God. God totally orchestrated this situation so that Gideon would be strengthened. So that Gideon would know beyond the shadow of a doubt that God was for him. So this built faith in Gideon, even his enemies had dreams of their defeat. There was no, this was no coincidence. God orchestrated all of this. Verse 15, and so it was when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and its interpretation. Sorry about that, that was weird. that he worshiped, he returned to the camp of Israel and said, arise, the Lord has delivered the camp of Midian into your hands. See, this great news of this dream, it was shared and interpreted and it built up Gideon's confidence in the Lord and his faith and it caused him to worship the Lord. He didn't go brag about it. He didn't go say, hey, look what our church is doing. He didn't do any of those things. He worshiped the Lord. And that's how we should be when we see God moving in our lives, it really should draw us to a place of worshiping the Lord. Sixteen through eighteen says this. Then he divided the three hundred men into three companies, and he put a trumpet into every man's hand with empty pitchers and torches inside the pitchers. And he said to them, "Look at the look at me, and do likewise. Watch, and when I come to the edge of the camp, you shall do as I do. When I bow, that when I blow the trumpet, I and all who are with me." Then you also blow the trumpets on every side of the whole camp and say the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. So it's fascinating to me, just like the clay pitcher that the army of Gideon used with a torch in it, we ourselves are earthen vessels. This means that we are fragile like clay. We're vases. Honestly, when it comes to what God wants to do in us and through us, 
It's our strength and our pride that can often get in God's way. See, why would God want to use us if we are... Now, the question is, sometimes we can ask, why would God want to use us if we're so weak compared to him? His tasks he has laid out for us. We, why, why would he want to use us if we're so weak? If, if, if this, what you're saying, Brian, is we're this pitcher, we're this vase, you know, we're this fragile thing. Why would God want to use us? Because in the context of great things happening, we, we're, we naturally look at strength. Strength in men, strength in relationships, strength, strength in our abilities. We, we naturally do that as human beings. God knows that. That's why he wants us to die to ourselves and let the Lord be Lord of our lives. But 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 says this. You don't have to turn there. You jot this down. It's a great scripture. Um, <clears throat> but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. See, it's this miraculous thing. I love how scripture confirms scripture. So you see, God gave him these vases and this trumpet and this torch and none of it was for an army. It was more like a marching band or a party or something. Like it literally made no sense at all. And, and if you look at how um, we are as human beings, and I'll just personalize this and, and you can do this for yourself. When I look at me and who I am, it makes no sense that God loves me the way he loves me. He loves me unconditionally. He loves me in, in such a great way that he adds things to my life that like a family and kids and, and, and a wife. I mean, if mine and Gina's past, if you ever get a chance to hear our testimony, it literally makes no sense that we're married. But years ago, we decided to make God number one in our lives. And we've watched the Lord carry us through so many circumstances and, and strengthen us and help us, but not for the fact of, we're great Christian husband and wife, we're gonna do this. No, we're, we're a mess half the time, but we're a mess that's honest with God. And I think sometimes that that's really what God's looking for is honesty with him. Uh, you know, if the, if, if the word of God says that God knows all the hairs upon my head, and now I'm saying the hairs that fall out of my head too, um, and, and that his thoughts towards me are greater than the sands upon the seashore, and that's not in a condemning statement, it's, it's more of a, an endearing statement, um, then why would God condemn me if I go to him and be honest with who I am and my fears and frailties? It's, it, we, have to be, we have to take a look at the Lord, we have to take the word of God, and we have to look at God's character and say, this is who God is. Not who I think God is, or not who I interpret God to be, but this is who the the God of the Bible is. And his character towards us is strength, love, compassion, grace, mercy. Yes, judgment when we're walking in sin. It's, it, it, I mean, I, I am so thankful that I hit rock bottom a handful of times as a young adult because if I didn't, I would be dead, okay? Because of how passionately I followed after sin. And I'm sure some of us can, can attest to that in our lives. That if God did not intervene in a miraculous way while we were in the middle of rebellion, we probably wouldn't be here where we are today. I love that. And he does that because he loves us. Not because he goes to us and say, you know what? I'm going to clean you up and you're going to be a great preacher for me. And you're just going to be a great guy. 
No, it's because he loves us. And in the middle of us following the Lord, in the middle of us walking out our relationship with Jesus, because it's a walk, it, when you invite Christ in your heart, you don't miraculously one day become this, this mighty man of valor and everything's in line. Yes, who you are in, the, in regards to how God sees you, yes, we're mighty men and women of the Lord. That's how he sees us, but there's a lot of work that the Lord wants to do in us. And so while we walk this out in our life, God is so loving and gracious to mold us and to grow us and to strengthen us. And we go through these seasons of peaks and valleys and, and Lord willing, when we're in the valley, we're not running off to the bar or to, to a girlfriend or boyfriend that's sinful, but we're running to Jesus, our strong tower, so that he can comfort us the way God comforted Gideon in this crazy scenario that literally makes no sense at all. It makes no sense, but God made it happen. And there may be things in our lives that make no sense today, but God is making things happen. He's still on the throne. He's, Jesus is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He's, he's, he's the authority of all things. All things will bow down at the name of Jesus, whether seen or unseen. Um, one day, the, it, everything's gonna get rolled up as a scroll and, and, and we're gonna see God face to face. Are you ready for that? Are we ready to see the Lord? Are we ready to be sifted by him? Are we ready to be used by him? This world is dying for supernatural hope and it comes from the church. It comes from the body of Christ. And I don't mean church like worship team and, and lights or anything like that. It comes from the supernatural living body that the Holy Spirit ordained on the day of Pentecost for his representation in the world. And that's believers. And God has a purpose and a plan and he wants to use all of you for that. So we continue through this account of Gideon and the hundred men on all three sides and they, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kind of summarize the last section, verse 19 through 25 here. <clears throat> and they come around all three sides and, and, and Gideon, this, this leader now, blows a trumpet they break the, the vase, they have these torches and all the army, the 135,000 men go crazy. Like it, it drives them into a frenzy. They're so afraid, they're so freaked out and they start killing each other and then they run off. And so it's just this amazing account of God laying out step by step, hey, Put your name in here. Hey, do this. Follow me. Worship me. Hey, you're afraid. I'm going to encourage you. Worship me. You know, Gideon was fearful. The Lord called him mighty man of valor while he was hiding. The Lord confirmed Gideon's calling, not once, not twice. Like I mentioned, some say three times, but four times, in my opinion. It was the accepting of the offering, the fleece once, the fleece twice. The second time Gideon's like, Lord, don't get angry at me. And the third time, the dream heard and interpreted. The Lord clothed Gideon with his power. In chapter six, there's this covering, this clothing. We talked about that last week. And that we need the power and the covering of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The Lord strengthened Gideon's faith. And then Gideon worshiped the Lord. And that's how we 
shouldn't be. And it's not about Sundays. We should be worshiping Jesus in our home. As we're talking and walking along the byways of our life, we should be worshiping Jesus so that people see Jesus. Because that's the mandate that God gave you. If you have Christ in you, that's your calling, to glorify him in your personal life. Some of us, God calls to be public speakers, and it's very humbling. <laughs> and you know, it strengthens us to walk out our callings. But you know, it's like <laughs> when COVID happened, we lost our place to, to, to meet out here. And we lost our contracts with the school. And it was just, I don't know what was happening. And then Easter comes around. Dan is our drummer. He's my neighbor. Elisha, college guy that was at another church where I was on staff at. Gene and I were on staff at a small church for a while. Um, and we had a handful of other people. And I had this thought. Put a cross in the front of your yard and do an Easter service to your neighborhood. And, you know, it, it was just this, this step of faith. Had no idea, you know, what was gonna happen or not. Dan, I mean, he, him and his wife were across the street. We had another guy play drums that day. But I was just thinking about how, you know, this whole situation with our world really shouldn't be pushing us into our house as believers. It should be pushing us outside of our house to say that God's alive and he's in control and he's on his throne. It's such an amazing opportunity, you know? I mean, we threw these big speakers out of my front yard and, and had pop-up tents and, and I was afraid. I was like, are the cops gonna come or are, are people gonna accept me? Well, this crazy cross is still in my front yard and sometimes I look at it and I go, gosh, we sure yell a lot because we're Italians. I don't know if we should keep this cross up here or not. But you know, the Lord wants us to step out in faith with our relationship with Jesus. You know, Dan and I, we, we, this whole thing, we talk with our neighbors and our neighbors who, I don't, I don't know if they know the Lord or not, they sat out and listened the whole time, you know? And it's like, wow, all, all I did was tell them that we're gonna do a worship service in our front yard and some neighbors didn't go, you know? And it was, it's just, God wants to use this situation. There's such an opportunity to be bold for the Lord right now. And people need to hear about Jesus. The other day, you know, you hear my, my wife and I sniffling a little bit and uh, we were really, you know, concerned, you know, do we have COVID? You know, we have this cold now. And, and I was afraid, you know, I'm like, you know, it's not just me and my family. It's like, you know, I'm responsible to make sure that this place is healthy, right? Now that we have this, this, this sickness that we're unsure about. And so uh, I went ahead and got tested on Friday, and my wife did, and some other folks that we were around that, that had the same kind of cold that we had. And, and um, there was a woman outside who had a mask on, I had a mask on, and we were both kind of like, it was almost like, you know, back when the speakeasies were around and everyone was afraid to go to a bar or something. I'm not, a, I'm not for drinking, I'm just saying that <laughs> things were hidden. And so her and I were there and we we're just kind of like afraid to even talk about why we were at the doctor's. And, and, it, and it, it was a kind of a barometer for me. I'm like, this is weird. Normally, I, I wouldn't think that way normally. And so we're talking. I said, are you here to get tested? Because they put you in this section outside and wait. Yeah. And she sounded really, she didn't sound too good. And she had a fever the day before. And we were 20 feet apart talking. Both had masks on. 
And um, I just asked if I could pray for her. I don't know her, but I prayed for her and it was a blessing to her, you know? And then she asked if I was a minister. I said, yeah. And so we started talking about different things in the Lord. And it's like, if I was just focused on Brian only, I would have missed this opportunity to, to, to be used by the Lord in the midst of fear, you know? And so there's always opportunities for us. And I'm not the poster child of this. I just wanna encourage you guys that there's opportunities. God wants to use you in your lives to minister to those around you. So, you know, when, when the Lord, you know, confirmed with Gideon and strengthened him, he worshiped the Lord. The Lord made the situation impossible for Gideon and the Israelites to take the glory. The victory was accomplished through unconventional means. Sometimes that happens in our lives. Um, in the face of fear and unknowns and horrible odds, the Lord showed himself faithful and true to his word. God's doing that now. He's, he's faithful and true to his word in our lives. Um, he is this way to you and I today. He's faithful to us. He's faithful when we are scared. He's faithful when we are weak. He's faithful when we have little faith. He's faithful when we don't have the means to accomplish what he has set before us. He will do all that he has promised. The greatest promise is how he took away the power of sin and death. And he gives it freely to all who believe in the name of Jesus Christ. And I ask a question today, whether online or here in person, do you believe that Jesus Christ is Lord? And have you made him the Lord of your life? And if not, then today's the day of salvation. And if that's something that you would like to do, you can come up and talk with me after service um, and be happy to um, get you a Bible. If you're online and you need a Bible, we will drive it to you. We will mail it to you. We will do whatever's needed. Um, if you have any prayer requests online, please put in the comments. Um, even after this message has aired and you watch it later, um, we try and stay up to date with any comments through Facebook or YouTube or on our website. So, um, yeah, it's just an amazing thing, this account here. And I want to leave you with this. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 through 16. And this is Jesus speaking. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. This mandate he's telling us right here out of the scriptures, let your light shine before men and women that they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. There's people watching and waiting and wanting to see God work. And the Lord wants to use you all to pray for people and to encourage people. So let's go ahead and close in prayer. Father God, thank you so much for your word that it never turns back void. Father, I just pray right now, Lord, that if there's any of us who have questions about our faith, Lord, or, <clears throat> or trusting you, I just ask, Holy Spirit, that you would strengthen us the same way that you strengthened Gideon. I ask Jesus that your word would be alive to us on a daily basis, not just because a preacher's talking about you, Lord, in public with a microphone, Lord, or on a live stream, Lord, that you would do a work in us that causes us to love you with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, God.
Help us to put time into studying your word, to learning about you, to, to being filled by you so that those around us would be strengthened by you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for each and every person here. Thank you for everybody who may be watching this virtually. And I pray, God, that you would do a miraculous work in our community here in Olivehurst, Lord, in the surrounding areas, in this world. Strengthen your body, Lord. Where there's weaker places, Lord, I pray that you would bring strength, Lord. Where there's healing that needs to occur, I pray that you bring healing. Thank you, Father God. Thank you for my children and their whispers. And just pray, Lord, for each and every person's family. If there's anything that needs prayer for, Lord, I just ask that you would just meet those needs, God. Thank you so much, Lord, for this day that you've given us. Strengthen us, Lord, and encourage us the way you did with Gideon. Thank you, God, that you are so honest with who you are, that you are love and that your mercy and your grace, Lord. It's unfathomable. It's unsearchable. It's, it's, we, we can't grasp, Lord, the veracity of your mercy and grace towards us, Lord. It's so great. Help us to take advantage, Lord, of that while we still can. Thank you, Lord, that when we pray, we don't pray at people. And we pray to the holy God who's alive and, and able to save. Lord, will you just save those who need saving, God, and encourage and strengthen those who need encouragement. Thank you, God, that you know how to minister to us. You know how to take and change our lives, God. Just thank you and give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.